0: With AEI, you. Thank you for joining us today. I'm sorry I just jumped in. Thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. Well, this is a very interesting topic that I have been talking about a bit in Missouri because Missouri's got a, uh, like many places, a big problem with chronic absenteeism in the last couple of years. And I know Nat, you started a return to learn tracker a few years ago during the pandemic to see right that which which uh, states or where schools were reopening. Was that the original purpose?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the 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 pandemic started and uh, it wasn't long before you know the basic questions for a data guy came up. What the heck is going on in schools across the country? And literally no one knew, right? They, there was just no nationally representative data. So, our first thing was to jump on it with just me and my uh, RAs. We everybody was closed, so we used uh websites as the source of truth and we started Uh, gathering data from a small sample. And then the next year, remember, we thought, well, everybody's going to go back to school next year. We're bending down the curve and all that. That didn't happen. Uh, So we put together the Return to Learn Tracker, which scraped uh, school district websites for 8,600 school districts, which covered about 90% of kids in America. And we tracked every week who was fully open, who was fully closed, and who was somewhere in between. And that's become the Return to Learn Tracker.
0: Because we know now, in hindsight, that the schools that reopened quickly to in-person learning, those students fared better. Or certainly, I should say, the, the schools, the districts where schools did not reopen, those schools, those students fared much worse.
1: Yeah, and there was a there was a lot of difference, right? A lot of this was state by state, but even within states, there were differences. Uh, yes, you know, now a lot of people want to make the pandemic all about school closures. It was not all about school closures. It was sort of a disaster for every school, but, but the ones that reopened did have significant advantages and they had that in terms of learning loss and they also had that in terms of enrollment losses. So we also looked at the enrollments over time um, and, and uh, have been trying to both track this and do sort of the causal analysis work behind it, but definitely the the third of districts that were the most closed lost about uh, more than one in twenty students, and a big chunk of that was causally related to the pandemic.
0: Your pa- parents, by and large, did not like having their schools be closed.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think that a lot of parents didn't like it, but I, you know, the real way I think to think about this is there was a subset of parents that were really not okay with it. And not okay with it enough to find somewhere else to go, whether that's homeschooling, which was a big part of it, or private schools, or yep. um, wh- whatever the case might be.
0: So then, th- theoretically, all schools reopened, but the kids haven't. Well, like you said, some kids left permanently. Uh, they decided their families decided did they go different direction, a micro school, or a homeschool, or private school. But there's also the kids that we lost track of during the pandemic and we haven't necessarily found them again or the kids who are not at least regularly coming to school. So, you now, what I think is really cool is you have this new mapping thing on return to learn that shows chronic absenteeism. And why is chronic absenteeism something that we should care about?
1: Yeah. So chronic absenteeism is, uh, in in my opinion, the biggest problem facing public schools today. Um, it is not a pandemic problem. It is a post-pandemic problem. Um, and we cannot ring the bell loud enough on this. Chronic absenteeism uh, is a measure of how often kids are absent for extended periods. Technically, it is the percentage of kids who miss 10% of the school year. Um, now, now some There's some variation because part of the hassle of this work is we want up-to-date data. So I'm going out literally pretty much every day, checking state websites to get whenever they release their data. And then I put it together in a, in a way that's parallel. Um, and, uh, you know, we knew that this was going to be bad during the pandemic. Why? Because there was a lot of COVID out there, a lot of disruptions, all sorts of things. But the, the cleanest data that we got was for the 21-22 school year. And it showed uh, unprecedented levels, about 29% of kids in the country. So that's pretty much three of 10 public school students missed more than 10% of the year. And look, that's a huge problem, obviously. When kids are absent, they're not getting as much from school. When they're already behind because of the pandemic, really hard to make up for pandemic learning loss when, you know, are either missing a lot of school yourself or you're in a in a class where a lot of your kids, uh, your classmates are not coming to school regularly. I mean, all this is disruptive. The The real important thing that I think the the service that we're trying to do is keep this up to date, because the real question is, was this a twenty one, twenty two problem? Because that's when we had that Omicron spike, which was, you know, 10 X the number of um. COVID cases that we were used to seeing through much of the pandemic. So the question is, was it was it back during Omicron or is it, is it something that we're going to see in the 22-23 school year? And so far we have data for 37 states and the answer is it is continuing and uh, it is yeah. the biggest problem facing schools.
0: And so I can pull up a school district, and I'm looking at a St. Louis area school district parkway, which is one of our, you know, air quotes, better districts. And they used to have chronic absenteeism rates below 10%, 7%, 9%, 9% before the pandemic. And they spiked up to 16% during the pandemic. But last year, post-pandemic, it was 17%. It's the highest it's been in six or seven years now. You have seven years of data. It's higher last year than it was before and this is the district with the you know it's a good suburban district where parents should be trying to get their kids off to school how do you explain that do parents not realize uh the the seriousness of letting their kids stay home from school regularly i mean 10 days that's there's 180 days in a school year that's like once every three or four weeks they're staying home
1: yeah so it's not one it's not 10 days it's 18 days it's oh, ten percent. Yeah, so it's eighteen days. So first of all, you're missing school on average once every uh, every two weeks. Wow. So yeah, once every two weeks, right? Ten days. Um, and that's not even counting all the days off that we have in the school year. So really disruptive. Um, but your question is a great one. what is going on here? Right? Well, like well, who's allowing this? Now, just a quick um aside about Parkway, that pattern. Uh, pandemic absenteeism basically doubling is really kind of what we see everywhere. Yeah. So districts that had 30 percent pre-pandemic, a lot of them are in the upper 50s now. Yeah. So on average, it was up 90 percent, and it's really amazingly even-handed. If you were low before the pandemic, you're still low, but you're you're twice, uh, roughly twice what you were. Um, and uh, in, in some states in this past year. There was, at least in um, five of the states, it's actually higher in 22-23. And if you want to think about it across the nation based on the data that we have, it was 29% absent in 22, and we're at Mm 26.5%, close to 27% last year. So, um, yeah, it is sticking around. And the the question is, what's causing this? It's not covid I'll tell you that. It's not COVID because we would have seen a huge return to normalcy this past year if it was just COVID. Now, there's a lot of theories here, and I don't have the data on this, but um, my the thing that makes sense to me is that we have a, a major school culture problem here um, that was probably those seeds were planted in the pandemic with, with school closures. But again, I don't want to overweight the school closures. There were lots of quarantines and there was lots of Sort of exceptional policies. There was sort of loosened expectations along a a wide range of things. And I don't think at any point was there sort of a line in the sand drawn that says, uh, you know, this is it. Uh, We're returning back to normal. And indeed, I don't think we have. So for many parents, uh, I think they view the, the laptops their kids got and the, the, the Zoom possibilities or at least the Canvas possibilities, these electronic platforms that enable them to find out what they missed and make up their work. Um, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is just we're more of a stay-at-home culture. But um, uh, Susan, I definitely uh, agree with those conjectures that say – This is a culture problem, and I think we need an all-hands-on-deck effort to bring it back, both for the long-term functioning of schools. I mean, you just got to be there if they're going to work optimally, but also because we are still very much in the middle of pandemic learning loss. This is by no means is it over. And if we have this level of absences, uh, academic recovery is kind of a pipe dream. I, I don't know anybody who can responsibly say, we can do it when we have three in 10 kids not coming to school, um, uh, you know, more than 90 percent of the time.
0: Yeah. So I think what I sense in Missouri anyway, is <clears throat> this uh, notion that we don't want to further punish kids who got very punished by the pandemic. So grading has gotten a little bit easier. Absenteeism has been overlooked a little bit more Uh we have 530 school districts and 525 are fully accredited, even if fewer than one in 10 kids passes the English or math test. Everyone's still fully accredited. They're like, we don't, we're going to pause on these hard decisions. We're going to pause on these kind of things. And and really what I hear people like you and uh, Checker Finn and, you know, Mike Pachelli and others is like, we teach probably true and officers. We need parents to, you know, wake up and say, yeah, it was hard. But guess what's harder when your third grader can't read? And they they started in kindergarten during the pandemic. Now they're in third grade and they can't read. They can't miss a day, really. That is so critical to their life outcomes that they learn to read by fourth grade uh, at the latest that we have to take this. I feel like I'm always saying it's a crisis, you know, hair on fire but it is. It is for these children. And this one shot that they get, this is a crisis. It's unfortunate that a pandemic happened during their K-12 experience, but it did. And we need to address it not so much from the perspective of, like, how can we ease them through this thing? But, like, how can we get back to where we are treating this seriously, right? I mean, true truant officers. No one wants a truant officer. But that's what happened when I was in school. If you didn't go to school, you got in big trouble.
1: A- absolutely. You know, you can... Um... You can see a divide in the in the writing on chronic absenteeism and what should be done. And a lot of it attributes these things to the things that we blamed chronic absenteeism on before the pandemic. And these are valid, right? Kids who are bullied, probably going to be absent. Great. I'm all for, uh, you know, working on bullying. I am. Um, sort of sickness, uh, poverty, uh, all these sort of different things that we need to work on. Yes, yes, yes. The only question that I think must be answered is, did those things double during the pandemic? And the answer is, well, no, they are not explaining this. And if we allow the handshake between parents and schools to deteriorate uh, because of the pandemic, so that we're not expecting what uh, was no great shakes before the pandemic, when we were at 15% chronically absent, right? if we allow that handshake between schools and parents to loosen that much there is no way we're going to be able to pull these kids out of the pandemic decline or over the long term if we allow these kind of expectations to be the new post pandemic normal that's a terrible thing for schools it's absolutely terrible and um you know i think that our our country spends a lot of time on sort of culture war issues and the culture war we need to be fighting in schools is on expectations and on getting kids to show up and, uh, to achieve and the, the sort of, um, sort of soft hearted, uh, approaches, I respect them, I understand them, and I just want people to meet them with some hard-headed realities. And that is, if we don't turn this ship around, you're going to have a lot of students, and particularly a lot of disadvantaged students, right. uh, getting the short end of the stick.
0: George W. Bush called it the soft bigotry of low expectations. Is that right? I don't want to misquote right. who said it, but that's the truth, right? And then you get low outcomes. And I guess what, you're, what you've are what you been talking about uh, relies a lot on parents how do you how do you how do you get this message to parents and make them hear it
1: yeah it's it's a huge challenge and i got to say for for a guy who's sort of like a stats guy and does lots of things with data and so forth it seems like there's a long distance there mm-hmm. but but i do think there are some things to to um to 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 talk about one is i think sort of from the the president to governors all the way down to principals we need the 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 alarm sounding on this, and I think it's very important that those with more authority provide political cover for those with a little bit less to say. Oh, yeah, this is absolutely important. Um, we need to give license for a muscular response on the part of institutions. We have a responsibility to get these students back, and we are going to do it. I don't. I, I think we've heard some of that, but I don't think we've heard a sufficient a, a, enough to empower principles to say, well, yeah, we do have to use truant officers or, or something similar to visit your home and get your kids back to school. So I think that's one thing um, to just make a a, a clear demarcation. And quite frankly, I think that we're sort of past the point where that would have been most effective. And every day that it doesn't come is a day too long. And the closer we get to November, the less likely we're, we're going to hear that. Um, the other thing that I would say is on the yeah. flip side of that, I understand that teachers are tired; they're worn out. I get it, sure. right? They have a lot going on. Part of what they have going on is dealing with too much absences in their in their schools, right? But if we don't get this fixed, the 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 lives and the productivity of both teachers and students and teacher satisfaction is not going to improve. And I don't think there's any way to get these messages into homes and get parents to understand it unless teachers are not part of that chorus, that they are not making the connections with individual families, making it clear and communicating expectations that, you know, you have a moral and legal obligation to get your kids to school. And we expect that. And we are going to be on you until we turn this around I don't think there's any way to turn this around without teachers, uh, those sort of frontline workers uh using their relational capital to make it happen
0: yeah we had an interesting mm-hmm. artifact of that in Missouri it I'm just uh just beginning to realize we just uh, the state just released test score data for 22 23. And I'm um, looking through it, and we, in order to get any academic points under our accountability rubric, you had to have 95% of your students tested. And in the year with this, these high rates of chronic absenteeism, uh, at least one district I know of didn't get 95% of students in the building the day that the testing took place and they got zero academic points. They're kind of a middle of the road uh, district forty percent or so proficient, which is an average in Missouri in ELA and math, and they got zero points. So now they look like the lowest performing district in the state because they didn't have enough kids in the building the day that they took the test. And I wonder if that isn't going to give some pause to the leaders of the state to say, either you know we need to uh, find a way around that, or we need to realize that um, sort of our system's going to fall apart if we don't get kids into the classroom uh, because now we've created the thing where you, you have to have, you can't have more than 5% of your students gone and the reality is so very different. Um, and I just think that, I just wonder what they're going to do about that. If it's going to make it seem more critical was what I hope.
1: Yeah. You know, I remember uh, when I was a teacher, how much energy we, we put into uh, count days right? Hey, here comes the count day. This is the day where basically the school counts how many kids are present. And we get paid for you being present that day. On that day, we pulled out the stops. You know, I don't know what it was, pizza parties or, yeah. you know, cupcakes or, you know, pressure campaigns. Uh, but we pulled it out. And I guarantee you that the principal and the counselors and the teachers were all enlisted in that effort. Um. This is kind of a similar thing, like on testing day. Hey, we got to get over 95% for sure. Um, We're looking at a problem that needs that kind of response, uh, sort of marshaled and organized and sustained. It's got to be a campaign. Um, And uh, as much as I uh, could think that those sort of testing day um, signals could contribute to this, it really is going to take sort of... Um, putting the cart before the horse and understanding that if, if we don't solve this problem, a lot of the other problems that we're trying to solve are going to just be so much harder to fix. So, um, I, I think that's the reason that I think this is, uh, and I'm pretty strenuous here. This is the biggest problem that we have in education today in part, because it makes all our other problems harder. So it really is the, the first brick that we have to lay, um. Uh, moving forward.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm distracted by your return to learn, which is all words, return to learn tracker.net. I would encourage everyone to go check it out, but I'm distracted looking at the Missouri data because St. Louis City is a very is a very troubled district and we know it and and students are leaving and but their chronic absenteeism is over half. So before the pandemic it was 16 to 20 percent not great. Now it's 54, 51 University City, which is just border St. Louis City, was, uh, you know, 16% before the pandemic. It's 43%. So we have districts where more than half the kids are missing more than 10% of the year. And there is, to your point, no way that they're going to be able to tackle learning loss or all of the other things that now kids are actually learning at a slower rate. And, you know, the world is changing and none of those things will be able to be addressed if half of the kids are missing that much school. You know, you, you alluded to this, but like as a teacher, you've got a kid who's missed two days and now they're coming in and they have to get caught up and then they didn't have the homework assignment. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a very disruptive thing. And if we have districts that have gone from 15 to 20% to more than half or up to half, then, you know, I would just encourage people to go look at return to Learn Tracker.net to see how big of a problem this is in Missouri because it's not getting enough attention.
1: Yeah, you know, I really just uh, am really appreciative of that perspective, because I think it's very important for under for folks to understand that this is a collective action problem. Yeah. If, um you know, some of some some listeners might be like, well, you know, my kid goes to school, you know, most of the time and they miss 10 percent because of the ski weekend and we like <laughs> to ski. It's not that big of a deal. I like <clears throat> I get that. There's lots of excuses out there. From the teacher's perspective, if absences are going off regularly like popcorn, then their workload is higher Mm -hmm. and they have to do more during their class, their allocated instructional time to make up for those things. And so it's a collective uh, drag on the school's productivity and it is a collective drag on expectations because other kids are saying, well, you know, Timmy didn't show up four times last week. Timmy's fine. Nobody's getting on Timmy. Um, so Timmy, you know, buck up and yeah. take one for the team and get to school.
0: So, uh, you have a lot of States with 2023 data, t- data from the last school year. It looks, well, Missouri, it looks like chronic absenteeism has gone up, but nationally you say it's, uh, flat. It hasn't really improved. Are you going to keep tracking this through the next school year? And after that, because I mean, at some point we got to look to see if we make any, uh, inroads
1: yeah so we are i'm sick of tracking things so far i've tracked uh school reopenings and then masks and enrollments (laughs) uh now we're doing uh this and actually we have some other things in the offing but uh we found it to be useful uh the, the problem is once you start tracking unfortunately school closures and masks sunsetted We're no nobody's really doing that anymore so it's not worth it but the chronic absenteeism it was a problem before the pandemic we'll probably have to keep uh attention on this and, and again you know w- we all want to improve schools and sending up-to-date signals on this is important and i'll just put something out i appreciate uh missouri's sort of up-to-date uh data pretty good like uh, across the board way better than average so that's um that's a credit to the state there's some other states that are willing to wait uh you know 17 18 22 months to and it publish it doesn't
0: even
1: matter it doesn't matter it's too <laughs> late to do anything um and and quite frankly it's it's inexcusable it is. um and the last thing i'll just say is you know that i am Uh, I have fresher data than the federal government has. And I understand why. I understand those things. But at a time of uh, emergency, and I would say the pandemic has issued a number of those, uh, I think that um, the Department of Education is falling down on being uh, current on these things. And they could, uh, they would do a lot more help If they were raising these alarming statistics as they come in rather than, well, we'll wait until we get all 50 states and then we'll put out, uh, you know, something. It it just I I worry that we're letting perfect be the enemy of the good and that it's it's costing students at schools.
0: I'm certain you're correct. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us about this. It is it is an important thing. And hopefully what you'll do uh, is let yourself off the hook because people within the states will start tracking this because they will realize why why they need to be doing that and paying attention to it. And state legislators, superintendents, no, I'm sure. But parents and others, just citizens, should uh, be keeping an eye on this because it's really important for the future, honestly, of the country. So thank you for your work. And thank you so, so much for joining us.
1: Well, thanks for having me on.